All right, welcome to the I Love South Orange County podcast. This is Josh, this gay South Orange County business owner. And we have Ashley Brown. Say hello, Ashley. Hello, hello. All right, and Ashley is an owner of a nonprofit and mom of two kids here in South Orange County. And That's the right. purpose. And the purpose of the podcast, we'll reiterate, is to inform uh, the public about South Orange County culture and things that happen that impact South Orange County that maybe people do not have the time to read or look at, and at the same time to provide a different perspective because we learn more from people who are different than people who are the same. I take a more conservative approach, look things at things from the right, and actually kind of looks at things from the left. So there's a lot of issues that we can discuss that'll be enlightening and entertaining for you. So the first issue we're gonna talk to about today, what's going on, in all of our podcasts, we want them to have a large shelf life. So if you listen to 10 years from now, or a month from now, uh, we want the information to still uh, resonate for you. So a lot of the themes we're gonna look at and we're gonna peel the layers of it and kind of take a look at things uh, from two very, very uh, different perspectives, Ashley and I, and whatever guests we have uh, throughout the podcast series. We've had one other guest. We've had uh, Mike Christianisi from the very, very, very far right. You can. Uh, listen to that podcast and we are on itunes and we are on soundcloud so when you're walking your dog or jogging you can listen to uh, our perspectives so one of the big issues that's going on now may 2019 is uh, something that's very very interesting on many levels many uh layers to peel off of is the Mueller report on uh, collusion in the 2016 campaign and conspiracy. And before we explain uh, an outline of the Mueller report, have you read the Mueller report, Ashley? Uh, I have not. That is still on my plan to do, but I haven't sat down. I have been reading different information that people have said, but I plan to read it myself as well. Awesome. Because I think it's so important to kind of compare and contrast the, the way you process information and the way the press uh, offers information. Because one of the goals of the podcast is to be able to disagree without being disagreeable and be able to look at things from a different perspective. Now the Mueller report, uh, there's a lot of like pundits out there and there's a lot of people online who make these you know, really strong political statements and I always wonder, have these people done their research, right? Uh, yeah, that's we, a good point. Yeah, go ahead Ashley. No, no, you go ahead. I, I was just agreeing. Yeah, no, totally. And that's why, you know, 
I run a, my own business and I'm, you know, working like 16 hours a day. I have a lot of clients calling in. So on breaks, I've been able to read half of it. So what we'll do is we'll break it down the first part of the Mueller report that kind of lays out the evidence uh, if there was collusion in the 2016 election uh, or worth their conspiracy, right? And then on our podcast next week, and by that time, I think uh, Ashley would have read some of it. So maybe like this week, start reading the second part a little bit so we can go back and forth to the second part. And then you can go back to the first part later. Uh, just for purposes of the podcast. Is that okay, Ashley? Definitely. Yeah. So for those who don't know, starting from fresh, uh, there's still a lot of questions, and the Republicans want to go after the Democrats. How did the, this, all, this whole thing start? Okay. And just to preface it, it really, once you start getting into it, it does read like a novel. And at certain parts, it, I felt like I was reading a uh, horror story. And one thing leads to another, and you really have to do independent research. When they throw out a name, then you go to Google, you go to reputable sources like the New York Times or The Economist to find out who these people are if you can find them out. Some people just come completely blank. So, but I want to get back to this point because I think uh, you have some insight on this, Ashley. What is your perspective on when people tweet things out, people have strong opinions, start arguing on Facebook, and they haven't done their research? Because I think one of the blessings of the Mueller report is that, I don't know, I don't know the exact number, how, do you know, I think you, uh, we were talking about it before, there's a study done of how many people have actually read the Mueller report. Yes, there's actually uh, a CNN poll, and Brian Stelter, who's the CNN's uh, chief media correspondent, actually said, um, how, many, how much of the Mueller report have you read? And there's only 3% of the people who responded who said they've read all of the Mueller report. Then uh, some, uh, some of the report was only 10% of the people. And then just a little is 8%. But then they asked how many people have gotten their information mainly from news reports. And they said 3%. And then lastly, have not read the report at all. And that's 75% which is a huge number considering this was what everybody was waiting for. It was all about Mueller. Mueller's going to save us. As soon as Mueller, you know, um, gives the report, we were all thinking that, and then I personally, I was like, how is it all of America is waiting on one man? I mean, I, I was joking that he needed to have round the clock um, secret service on him because he had to be the most valuable man in the U S. Right. But, know that 75% have not read the report. And this is a CNN poll, which means these are people who uh, tend to be more political. These aren't even just the average people who don't look at anything political at all. Right. So these are people formulating opinions 
arguing with people online who have not done their research, from not read. Yeah. And that's one of the huge benefits uh, people will get from our podcast is that we do read. And at the end of these two podcasts, it seems like you're going to be in the top 10 percentile of people who are informed. And you really get to know and engage with the world around you that, to be honest with you, I think actually gives you a more fuller, richer life when you have more information about the people around you and what's really going on instead of, you know, making these baseless false claims on uh, preset opinions. I have to admit one thing, too, that is interesting because with the Mueller report focusing on the 2016 election, I read a lot of information that Trump has been trying to get into Russia some 30 to 40 years back. So it's always been his goal to get a Trump hotel in Russia. So that put a whole other layer onto this process that when you're thinking on what is the reason, because um, a lot of times we said it's, there's money involved, but there's even bigger things to be gained as well, because we know he wants to be known and he wants his name to mean something great and to be all over the world. Not that I think it does, but that's, that's his goal. So that's another part of this whole process on the why. Exactly. So, and, and that another theme of it is wannabes. People who, you know, I remember being young and going to the club and you observe people who are trying to be people they weren't and they were trying to hustle. They were always trying to hustle into the elite crowds at the, at the, different clubs and it's interesting because you know trump is always trying to hustle models and that whole uh, culture and believe it or not it's a big part of the mold report so let me what i'll what we'll do is i'll set a few themes for the first part of the mold report and i want to know your reaction ashley okay all right so the first part of the mold report deals with collusion, which is not against the law, and uh, conspiracy. And conspiracy is against the law. So for these cases, it would be that a guy like Jared Kirshner knowingly uh, was working with Russian intelligence agents to have Trump win the election. Now, it is illegal for foreign nationals to contribute money to a campaign. They can volunteer. They can volunteer, but they can't contribute money. And it's illegal for intelligence services to contribute or volunteer in any way, any shape or form. The second part of the Mueller report that we'll deal with in the next uh, podcast would be with obstruction of justice. And we'll get into the legal definition of obstruction of justice on the next podcast. So of interest is, okay, how did this all start, right? And it all started 
with this guy who's a wannabe guy at the club, you know, wannabe rich kid at the club that wants to get in with the elites. And he's having a conversation in a bar with an Australian ambassador. And he's bragging that he's part of the Trump campaign. And he tells this guy that the Russians are colluding with the Trump campaign to get dirt on Hillary Clinton. So this guy goes to the FBI, he goes to the government and says that. So this was what triggered the whole FISA war and stuff and just triggered this investigation, right? So if something doesn't make sense, let me know, Ashley, so I can clarify. Okay. So this goes back to the Obama administration. And they start... Uh, they start their surveillance. Now, you would think that the Secret Service that communicates with the FBI communicated to the Trump campaign, and I think that's the real reason uh, Paul Manafort uh, was fired. Now, during the investigation, WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks, is funded by Russian intelligence, per the Merlin report. So, WikiLeaks, <clears throat> along with Russian intelligence, hacked into the Democratic National Committee's emails, and they hacked into Hillary Clinton's emails. And And what I'll do is I'm gonna I'm gonna say a couple of events, series of events that are key in the first part of the report. And I'm gonna tell you the legal definition of conspiracy, Ashley. Right? Okay. And you let me know if you think that it's conspiracy or not, right? So conspiracy okay. is communicating and planning, knowingly planning with foreign intelligence to benefit the Trump campaign. That makes sense? Yes. Okay, so WikiLeaks sends Trump Jr. emails, right? Saying, hey, this is the password to the Democratic National Committee's emails. This is the password to Paul Despodesta. And who, wait, who sent this to who again? Who had the password and who sent it? Okay, WikiLeaks, right? Through, WikiLeaks had the password, and they sent it to who? To Trump Jr. Okay. And Trump Jr. takes the password, he types it in, right? Uh-huh. And he's, he's looking at emails from the Democratic National Committee and Paul DePodesta, the campaign manager for Hillary Clinton. Is that conspiracy? This is how I defined it. Well, I would say so, because he knew the purpose of it. This wasn't a, I just happened across this password, and I'm just trying out to see um, 
if there's something there, he specifically talked to them about what the goal was, which was to find some dirt on Hillary. Right. So I would think that would, I would think that would show clear collusion. Collusion, which which now I know, you know, to be honest, um, I feel that if I colluded in a political campaign, I would be in jail. And people would figure out how it was illegal, but for, because this is Trump and he's the president, uh, the Justice Department and a, and a lot of legal people are now saying that collusion is not against the law. Well, and that's the whole thing is why do they get the benefit of the doubt? Because I think then this type of um, thinking, which is we didn't know what we were doing was illegal then you can take that to pretty much any court case and any defense attorney, no matter what it is, drunk driving. I didn't know you couldn't drive and drink. Who told me that? I didn't know that, you know, I, I couldn't uh, sell my, my pot or whatever it was. I mean, I, I, pot's a ridiculous thing because pot is legal now. But it's just that if you just said, well, nobody told me, I didn't know, um, it reminds me of the... Um, the uh, young man who was found not guilty for um, vehicular manslaughter uh, for killing people because they said, and I'm trying to think of the term they used, <laughs> because he was so rich and was never right. told no. I forget the word that they used. Um, uh, affluenza. Affluenza. Exactly. This sounds like a total affluenza. I didn't know any better. And, but I mean, then that should apply specifically, I think, to every poor person who didn't know, but somehow it only applies to the rich people, which is just unbelievable because I think it makes a mockery of our laws. Well, the thing is, is that conspiracy is, okay, so let me pose a question to you this way. Conspiracy is knowingly taking information from a foreign power and helping the campaign. So during that campaign, I'll ask you, did you know during the campaign that WikiLeaks was an arm of Russian intelligence? I did not, no. Okay. Now, I did. It was in the news that WikiLeaks was being funded by the Russian government. So I'm figuring if I knew it, right, Trump uh-huh. Jr. should have known it. Oh, definitely. Right. So what they're saying about uh, Trump Jr. is that it wasn't – he's guilty of collusion, but not guilty of conspiracy, which is against the law because he did not know that uh, WikiLeaks was – uh, connected to Russian intelligence. So this is a potato, potato kind of well, uh, it's thing. A stupidity right? defense, and Michael Cohen kind of did it. But Michael Cohen, you know, said, "Hey, Trump never trusts Trump Jr.'s decision-making process, and Eric's the one who's running the Trump Empire, not not Trump Jr." Trump Jr. is dating Gavin Newsom's ex-girlfriend who used to be on Fox. He's spending his time doing that. Uh, I will say this. The beginning of the report starts talking about a 
Russian intelligence operation called GRU. Okay. And what they did was that they hacked everyone. They even hacked Trump, but since they were for Trump, they didn't. Uh, but you can, you can imagine the information they have to blackmail Trump with. So they're the ones yes, who... Yes, I, I have a good idea. And I, I'm sure it's pretty bad. Yeah. So they, they, they hacked into Trump, and then they came up with a social media campaign to discredit uh, liberal causes. Uh, they came up with a group called Black First to uh, make themselves into parody of themselves to subvert the Black Lives Matter movement. Right? Uh, yes. And they created uh, fake social media accounts posing as Americans saying crazy, crazy stuff. So that's how the report starts. And then it goes into Papadopoulos that we talked about, the wannabe who was discussing really sensitive information with the Australian ambassador. They got, so that's how it started, you know? And the Republicans are arguing, oh, maybe it never should have started. I don't know, I think it's embarrassing when this type of information is going abroad and people are bragging about possibly committing conspiracy and uh, which is a crime, you know? So you, you would think the they would have to investigate the crime. Now the GRU, they went in and they hacked into the Tennessee Republican Party and they controlled their media accounts. It's just interesting because in the, the hearing we had in the Senate, we had Ms. Blackburn from Tennessee who benefited. So she had a direct benefit from Russian intelligence basically operating her media account. Okay. So the, our, there's another uh, Russian company of Russian spies and social media people. They're called the IRA. And they had over a million followers. So let's go to, so three names that we'll finish off with the first part of the Mueller report that I, that I feel are important are going to be Trump Jr. was number one, where he wholeheartedly took the information from Russian intelligence and went to use. So we'll talk about Carter Page and Jared Kushner, all right? Okay. So I'm gonna ask you, did Jared Kushner uh, commit conspiracy? So Jared Kushner was given a briefing by the FBI to be careful about people he talks to. So throughout the whole part, of the report, there's a lot of wannabe people who say, oh, I can get you in with Putin. So it really seems like Michael Cohen and the Russian operations, they wanna get in contact with Putin. 
So Putin would okay Trump Tower Moscow, where Trump was going to get 5% of the revenue, right? So there's this uh, funny part in here where Papadopoulos uh, says that he me he's meeting with the niece of Putin. And he's sending these emails and, you know, Trump Jr. and Kirshner are like, oh, if you can do it, make it happen, man. All right. Uh, so Jared Kirshner's told us, and then I'm um, looking for the guy's name. Uh, it's kind of pronounced Silas. He is, by all accounts, a Russian spy. And he befriends Jared Kushner and starts giving Jared Kushner foreign policy advice. And then Jared Kushner gets uh, asked by now President Trump if he can write a foreign policy speech, a big foreign policy speech. So Jared Kushner contacts this guy, and this guy writes a speech for him. So this Russian intelligence officer is writing uh, foreign policy speeches for President Trump. Is that conspiracy? Uh, in my mind, that would be because for Jared to have gotten a speech in the first place, he had to have shared private information. He should have only been discussing that with somebody who had already gone through um, clearance through right. the White House, and this guy obviously didn't have it. So the fact that he even said, you know, I, I need information on this, and can you even write a speech, shows this guy, the other person was given information they should have never had in the first place. So, yeah, that was conspiracy because looking at the fact the person writing it had an angle which was to benefit Russia. And so that, that, and that wasn't told to the American public. So right there, that's showing that they're doing a subver subversive um, behavior. Right. And then nothing happens in a communist country without the government knowing, right? So yeah. the guy's name, the Russian guy's name is Sims, S-I-M-E-S. So Sims comes up to uh, Jeff Sessions. And this is why he recruit, uh, recruits himself from the investigation because he really knew that he, he, he started to see that he was being used, right? Because Jeff Sessions yeah. is a senator. He's helping the Trump campaign. And suddenly there's like four Russian officials, especially uh, Kieslak, Russian ambassador Kieslak, K-I-S-L-Y-A-K, right? Who are now coming to Sessions, and it's kind of weird. So Sessions says, hey, let me introduce you to a guy named uh, Dimitri Sims. This is all page 111 of the report, for those who want to look at it. So Sims was born in the Soviet Union, immigrated to the United States in the early 70s. And he spoke to Kirchner and says he has many contacts with current 
and former Russian government officials. All right, let me repeat that to you, Ashley. Sims personally has many contacts with current and former government officials, right? Tells this. Wow. Okay, this should be right here. <laughs> this Hello. tells your friend, Jerry. Hello. So, right, what we just said, we both agreed that nothing happens without the government. So, he has current and he's writing a speech for, for President Trump. He's using to get votes for the election. He's asking him to write a speech. I don't know. To me, yeah. I'm not a lawyer, but that pretty much seems to me that the act, and you can tell me if I'm right, Ashley, but the act of A, knowing Jerry Kirshner knows that this guy has uh, current contacts with Russian officials then asks him to go back and forth and write a speech for him to make Trump get in and get votes. To me, that that's conspiracy. Yes. 100%. No doubt. No question. Right. I'm where, where are the handcuffs? Like let's, we shouldn't even be talking about it. That's <laughs> obvious. All right. Now, you know, and I'm trying to be neutral about it, give Trump the benefit of the doubt. However, I would not be given, I would be in handcuffs right now if that happened. The other part of it is, is the stupidity of this, right? Yeah. Uh, first part of this is the stupidity of the guy Pepidopoulos running his mouth like that with the uh, Australian ambassador to kind of rat Trump out, get this all going. The stupidity of Trump Jr. Right, and Jared Kirshner, right? Look who he's going to. Out of all the people he had at disposal, they ask him, "Hey, help us write a foreign policy speech," because he positioned himself as a policy foreign policy expert. Isn't he now the czar? That he's going to fix the Middle East. So the guy who's the czar, explain this to me, Ashley. The guy who's the czar foreign policy. Maven here, he's asked to write a speech, and he's like, oh, man, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. Let me contact this Russian. Well, and this shows you 100% why nepotism is not a good thing. Because, I, I mean, that in itself, I'm surprised that's not illegal that he could appoint, uh, Trump can appoint his son, his daughter, his son-in-law to these positions is mind-blowing in itself right but it is legal right i'm supposed to be from the right over here <laughs> and we don't want to turn this into a trump bashing censor however we are trying to be pragmatic and it is kind of crazy you know to be honest with you. yeah i mean they they didn't have a background in it they didn't have um i don't think their their majors in college even were in line with that so there was no way that it made sense. So that's why it was 100% nepotism and not on actual merit. All right. So let's go to Paul Manafort. So Paul Manafort, uh, basically he's in jail now for massive tax evasion. And there's a lot of layers to this. You know, as a business consultant, uh, 
and this is a classic case of it uh, that I have to throw in as a business consultant. You know, people come up to me and they say, hey, I'm really excited. I met this other doctor. I met this other lawyer. I met this other, you know, drywall guy, other construction guy. We hit it off and we want to do a partnership. We start a, want to start a business. And I'm like, listen, in 30 years in business, I've only seen one partnership work. And I've seen like two guys kill each other. Don't do partnerships. They never work. One guy ends up being jealous of the other guy. And they end up saying one guy's stealing. It never ends well. So don't do a partnership. If you really like each other and you have good report, do a joint venture where both people are fully 100% owners of whatever part they want to work together with. Because things will eventually go south. So this is what happened between, and we started at page 137 of the Mueller report, between Paul Manafort and Rick Gates. So the way this ended was with uh, Rick Gates ratting out Manafort and giving information because Manafort clamped up. So Manafort, uh, also... You know, he started out in the Nixon campaign. He's a political consultant. But for the last 10 years, he's a political consultant for the Russian intelligence-controlled part of the Ukrainian government. Right? Mm-hmm. And he started working with another big name that I should throw in about the first half of the Mueller report. Uh, man by the name of Deary Pasca. Deary Pasca, uh, the senator, Republican senator from Nebraska, called him a scum sucker oligarch who reports directly to Vladimir Putin. So since 2005, Manafort is working for Deripaska, Russian oligarch, <laughs> who directs directly to Vladimir Putin. Now, and who was it who first um, brought Manafort forward and um, had uh, first? What is it? Um, right, because uh, Trump is friends with longtime New York guys, Roger Stone. And for those people who don't oh, know, oh, there you Stone, go. There's a nice guy. Yeah, Roger Stone he, in the mix. And what he he knows for is for being an expert in dirty politics, and he's an expert in corruption, and he's an expert in clothing. He wears only three thousand dollar Italian handmade suits. He does really have good taste in clothes. Again, another Nixon campaign guy. So they know each other from the Richard Nixon campaign. So we know what happened to Richard Nixon. So Manafort gets uh, vouched in. And I'm going to use uh, mafia terms. Because I, living in New York, and I lived in New York for three years. And you can't do anything really without the mob's permission. So you end up learning these terms. And to be honest, uh, actually... 
the Trump administration and the way they ran their campaign, and then talking about the Russian mafia. Um, I dated a girl in Coney Island. Her dad was in the Russian mob for a couple of years. So a lot of these things are coming together. You know, you got the Russian mob and the Trump organization acting like the mob. So I'll use some uh, mafioso terms to describe parts of what's going on here. So Manafort gets vouched into the Trump campaign by Roger Stone. And Manafort is working for Deripaska. Now, one of the things, and now I should be a little bit lighter on my clients, right? But I think you've heard me say this too, Ashley, how it's important for people to do their research, right? Yes. So do you think the Trump campaign should have researched Manafort before hiring him on and known that he's working for an oligarch that reports directly to Valerie Putin? Uh, 100%. I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't want this even if he had been working directly with Canada and Canada for all these years is, was our ally before Trump came into office. Right. Um, so the fact that this isn't even an ally for many years, this is a country who's known to um, do this type of uh, subversive technique. And the fact that they knew he was being paid for and they didn't, they didn't say we shouldn't be working with him. This is going to come back to bite us. They didn't care. But that's actually how. This whole thing with the Trump family seems to be that it's so brazen. They're right. so obvious. They don't think they can be caught. And I think that's a history that Trump and his family, his son, has had for a long time. That they've gotten away with so much. And that came from Trump Sr. as well. Right. You know, it's a, it's a long history of bragging about it. And nobody does anything. And it's in plain sight. Right. And one thing that I wanted to add... Uh, is that lawyers do not ask questions that they do not know the answer to. So Rosenstein, after Jeff Sessions, right, now we know from the first part, the Mueller report, why Sessions recused himself, because he figured out pretty early that he was being used by Russian intelligence. So he, he knew that for a fact. That's why he recused himself. Rosenstein chooses Mueller. He knows Mueller for a long time because Mueller believes from a legal standpoint that a sitting president cannot be indicted that it should go through a congressional process. So that's the reason he was chosen. Right. So yeah. now, again, we'll, we'll talk about the, we'll refresh the audience, the definition of conspiracy is that you knowingly right, uh, give information to Russian intelligence to, in this case, benefit the Trump campaign. So Manafort had been an employee of this, uh, the Arposka, since 2005. And Roger Stone gets him the gig as campaign manager for Donald Trump. Okay, Ashley? Yeah. And then Manafort takes the polling data and the demographics for the campaign and the sending Deripaska weekly reports. Now, the question is, 
did Manafort advise this to Jared Kirshner, Don Jr., or anybody else in the campaign? Right. If he did so, is that conspiracy? I would say yes, it was. Yeah. I would, too. I would, too. Uh, now, Manafort, like the mafia, he has not uh, given up. He hasn't said that he told anybody in the campaign that he was doing so. But <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, even the smallest companies monitor email. So you're telling me nobody in the campaign was monitoring Manafort's emails and wondering why he's sending top secret sensitive polling data uh, to the Ukraine? Well, and I think that they all were doing things so open that they probably felt like don't ask a question that you don't want to hear the answer. <laughs> so let's just stick our fingers in our ears and go la, 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 if we happen to send something. But we've seen time and time again that anything involved with Trump, he expects 100% loyalty at all costs. So the fact that, you know, they were just letting him go along and, and he wasn't saying anything against Trump. He, he knew where his bread was buttered, but he was getting it twice since he was getting it from um, Russia as well as here. Right. No, totally. Totally. It's kind of crazy. So the Mueller report goes to page, uh, let's see, first part goes to page 199. So We'll finish with the Mueller report, and then we'll go to an um, interesting meeting Ashley went to locally. Actually, I'm going to have an appointment that I have to leave in about five minutes, so we'll okay. have to do the, the second part at a later time. All right, no problem. So we'll finish with page 65, and I'll ask you what you think about this. Okay. Uh, page 65, you have... Uh, <clears throat> when WikiLeaks is contacting Trump Jr. to get emails and dirt on Hillary Clinton, a guy by the they, they start asking anybody they can who can hack in, right? Uh -huh. Emails. So. A guy, a gentleman by the name of Seth Rich, hacked and got Hillary's emails and sent them to the Russians. And he ends up dead. And then another gentleman by the name of Peter Smith also was getting close to Hillary's emails and he ended up dying. So that, to me, brought up uh, Vincent Foster, who had compromising in, uh, information on Hillary Clinton, and he died, and also former Democratic chairman Ron Brown, who had incriminating information on the Clintons, and he died. So how do you feel about that connection on the other side, the Hillary connection, that anybody that kind of messes with her emails, 
uh, ends up dead. Uh, well, I have to admit, when when uh, when we're talking about the uh, using uh, the like the private emails, which was a big portion of what they were saying, uh, it's interesting that we're finding that uh, the Trump family's done this regularly. So right. just from the point of view, we know that Ivanka has done that, uh, and we know that Trump has done that as well. So it's interesting that something that they tried to um, pin on Hillary alone is actually something that they themselves have done. Not that they haven't done this time and time again, but it's interesting that that was supposed to be the nailer to the cross over these private emails when they were doing the same thing. They're doing, they've done it since the election. I would assume they were probably doing it before the election as well. Um, as far as the people turning up dead, um, that's not something that I've looked into that 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 does sound very suspicious right. but i haven't i don't have enough information on that to sort of see that that's possible not that i couldn't believe it couldn't happen but that's 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 a one of those scary type of things that dealing with russia that's a very scary possibility and we know that putin's had a history of pretty much running like a mob boss Right. So, I mean, that in itself, trying to think that you can work with a mob boss and then think at some point it's not going to get ugly, you'd have to be pretty naive to not realize what you're, who you're getting into bed with, even though making that pun with Trump is like a whole other story. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. So that, so that's awesome. So we got people uh, in the, in the top 50 percentile with the first half of the Mueller report. And Ashley's gonna read the second part of the Mueller report next week. And we're talking about some interesting meetings that she had uh, locally next week as well, as we continue the I Love South Orange County podcast. So now listening to the information for the first part, what are your thoughts, Ashley? Uh, well, it definitely makes me wanna read it more. And it's, pretty amazing to think how much was already spelled out right from the start right um to know that that they jumped right in and found this information but it's also also shocking to me how um collusion is not considered illegal right that makes me think we need to redefine our laws right there <laughs> absolutely because that you know as we said an average american you know, a, a poor black person from Watts, they had done that. They'd be in prison. They'd throw away the key. You'd never hear from them again. Exactly. So it, our, our laws are so corrupt, we definitely need to change them. This is very sad, but I definitely want to read it for myself. And I have to admit, the, once I start reading this, I know it's going to make me boil over because I'm just so upset by this stuff. And to know that that these people that are uh, doing these illegal acts daily are walking free with no repercussions. Right. And then, and then to me, from my perspective, it was chilling uh, to see how many people died. You know, a lot of people in this, this report, uh, their careers were shattered. Uh, a few people died, right? And then... Mm -hmm. you're more you're 
your Michael Cohen's and Paul Mornaford's are are in jail as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's another point, too. I did say that people are walking around free. There's a, a lot of people walking around free, but when you look at how many people are in jail or going to jail, that tells you something, too, because you think of just by association, uh, when there's smoke, there's fire. And so right. we've seen a whole lot of fire. So for people to say that there is this much uh, naivete that the Trump family themselves don't know, seems very shocking. Mm. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. Uh, very exciting stuff. We're doing, we're educating the public and anything you'd like to close with. Uh, no, I just, I want to tell people to go ahead and read it for themselves as well. Uh, right. Not just take what one person says, as you, as you were saying earlier, the layers are there. We need to really know what's going on. That's the only way that we can come forward and make a good decision because there is going to be an election next year and we really need to know where we stand and to know that if this report um, was given to us and we're not taking it the full advantage, then that's really a shame. That's like somebody who has the right to vote and chooses not to. They're they're um, not taking a part in democracy, and that's what every person, 18 or older, should be doing. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So this is Josh and Ashley from the I Love South Orange County podcast reminding you, you make a living from what you earn, and you make a life from what you give. Sounds good. Thanks, Josh.